Hey, Cardinal families, this is uh, Dave Hargadon here with Cardinal Cast, local podcast put on by Woodland Christian School to uh, help our listeners and our school families and, and people really uh, all over to not only understand a little bit more about what's going on at Woodland Christian School, but to also learn more about what's going on in our city and our community. And uh, today is a real special uh, day for us because we'll, uh, we have Jim Smith here from the Daily Democrat, who is the editor uh, of the newspaper. And so welcome, Jim. It's nice to have you here. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. You know, so uh, maybe what I, I do is start off with is maybe you could tell people a little bit about your background in terms of your education, how you ended up being involved in uh, the news industry. Okay. Well, I've always liked uh, writing um, ever since high school. And in mm. fact, that's when I started. In journalism, I wrote from uh, two high school newspapers. I started in 1973, the year before I graduated. Uh, my first major story was in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and it was actually covering a story about why teachers could drink coffee in the teachers' lounge, but students couldn't have coffee uh. at all. And I didn't drink coffee at all, but it uh, earned accolades from the students, earned uh, a great deal of condemnation from the principal and the teachers. Oh, interesting. So as, as a student, you saw the disconnect between the rules that were given to teachers and the rules that were given to uh, students. Exactly right. Oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah. great. And so that was your, your start into the business? That was my start into the business. And then I continued on into uh, high school. I, I switched high schools, went to another school, and um, continued writing there. I enjoyed it, and it, but it wasn't any great shakes. Hmm. It wasn't until I got to college and I was testing myself, if you will. I liked law. I wanted to go into law, but I knew the law dean, and he said, don't go into law. He oh, said, wow. you're not going to like it. And, and uh, so I started writing for my college newspaper just to get some money, basically, so I could support <laughs> my uh, wayward ways, if you will. <laughs> and uh, then he uh, basically wrote a little bit, wrote a little bit more, and started to enjoy it a lot. And then I think it was about, uh, I think it was the middle of my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year, I covered murder on campus. It was mm. quite horrific. The uh, former husband of the chancellor's secretary walked into the office and shot her dead. Mm. And I got the word from a friend and a buddy of mine, he and I were across the quad and we went tearing across the quad and we got there just in time to see the suspect be arrested. Wow. And uh, we were able to get interviews with uh, students and things. We phoned the information, I phoned the information actually up to the uh, newspaper, even as it was being printed. And they got three or four paragraphs in for the next day's edition, wow. beating our local daily newspaper. Wow. So from that point on, I guess I got the bug, but I've said oftentimes that it took a death for oh, me wow. to establish a career. And I've never enjoyed that aspect of it. But on the other hand, that's what it was. Yeah, and, and even in my career in law enforcement, you find that those kinds of tragedies uh, often lend itself well to to news outlets mm -hmm. and because uh, they're human interest stories you know anytime someone you know passes away or there's a homicide or or whatever but uh um, yeah. where did where did you go to school college i went to idaho state university in pocatello idaho okay um the i at the time again i was a reporter but in my junior year i was named the editor of the newspaper and at that time it's called the isu speculum don't blame me i wasn't <laughs> the one who named it uh the radical Fringe yeah. Elements named yeah. it earlier, right. um, but I was the youngest editor at the time. It's now named the ISU Bengal, by the way, which I don't particularly like. I think. Right. Right. Anyway, um, so I held that position for a year, and then in my senior year, I had the year off and was able to pursue other things and um, have a lot more fun because being the editor took up 
most of my time, obviously. Yeah, right. So, and so how did you get from Idaho to mm-hmm. Woodland? Well, um, I, like any other J school grad, I turned out hundreds of applications. I'd had two internships, hmm. uh, one for a small weekly, one for the Idaho Statesman in Boise. So I had small and large. And I did have more experience than most, but I couldn't get a job. Hmm. So to be very blunt about it, I'd met a girl in the senior year. I came to Marin County in California with her, stayed here for a year until she dumped me, which she's quite right to do, by the way, because I wasn't really doing much. Um, And from there, I got a job eventually up in La Grande, Oregon, and wrote there for a while, Mm. wrote for a little paper up there for about six or seven months, and lost that job because of a difference of opinion with the publisher. Wound up staying back at my house in Pocatello with my mom for about six months, and then this sounds very strange, but the Fort Bragg Advocate News, which I'd seen in a variety of trade publications, every day for about three months, I looked at the name and decided, no, not today, I won't call it. Mm. I won't call it. One day I woke up and said, i got to call this paper today, right now. I did. The person had quit just that morning, and they had an opening for a reporter. Just that morning, not more than several hours earlier. And... They said, hey, can you get out here for an interview? And I said, I'll be there as quickly as I can. I was there the next day for an interview, got it, and was back in two weeks and started working. That was in 1980. Wow. So just that quick. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in those kinds of accidents. You know, <laughs> I wasn't and, either. And, uh, you know, where, where those things kind of are orchestrated and you go, mm-hmm. you know, what are the chances that, you know, you've been saying no all these times and then the one day you wake up, those, those things happen. It fell together. And uh, that led to seven years on the Mendocino Coast where... I met my future wife. We were married on the coast on the Mendocino Headlands, as a matter of fact. She was an um, athletic director at uh, Mendocino High School. Oh, wow. And our child was born on the Mendocino Coast. And we lived there for, I think, until about 1983 when the company transferred me to Fort, uh, excuse me, to Woodland to be a reporter because they needed a reporter here. And I frankly needed to get off the coast because it was as much fun as it was, as much as I loved that environment. I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't yeah, doing right. anything. Right. So we came to Woodland in, uh, I think that was 1987, uh, worked as a reporter for three years. And in 1990, I think it was, no, I think it was 1989, they promoted me to be the associate editor or the city editor. Did that job for six months, and then the publisher asked me to go to Ukiah and uh, be the editor there. So I was there for four years until 1994, and then the company asked me to come back and be the editor in Woodland. And I've been here since 1994. And do you like Woodland? I do. It has a great deal of loving characteristics. A lot of things I really, really love about it. There obviously, there are some things I don't like about it, um, but that's normal. Yeah, any right. time. I do miss uh, the trees. I do miss the ocean. I yeah, do miss right. the, again, being in Idaho, miss the mountains. I can't ski anymore, snow ski, but I love snow skiing. And right. I loved going out to the beach at night and such yeah. on the Mendocino coast and right. going into the redwoods and hiking and stuff. But that'll happen. It takes its time. Yeah. Things flip around. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, you know, and, and part of my wanting to, to have you be here um, is to provide people perspective. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't think uh, that many people like fully appreciate the fact that we have our own local newspaper here sure. in this town. 
And uh, I think there are a lot of great benefits to that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, But that being said, what are some of the challenges you're facing today as an editor of a local newspaper? Well, I remember I started off small. So I worked, uh, the smallest one I worked for was the Aberdeen Times, and there was only 2,800 circulation. The largest one I worked for is 100,000 circulation. So the, this terms of this community, uh, basically there's 1,300 households or 13,000 households, I should say. Right. Population of 57,000. It's fairly large in terms of having a newspaper and such. The problem is that unlike when I first got here, when we had 13,000 subscribers, we now have around seven or 8,000, something like that. Is that my newspaper's everywhere. The market is saturated fragmented because you have so many choices yeah. which to go to. So the challenges are multidimensional. People have all the access. What we're doing right now is yeah. an access point. Yeah. Okay. That's not something that was here when I first came here. Right. Okay. So this is an opportunity for people to learn through an alternate means, an alternate medium, if you will. Right. Um, that's one thing, the fragmentation of just the communication industry and the market and such. The other Deeply troubling fact for me is that people gravitate now to listen to, uh, listen, I should say, to the news that they want to hear. Mm. They're not willing to listen to things they do not want to hear. And you've seen that perhaps uh, by watching episodes of Samantha Bee, uh, where she's and her colleagues have interviewed people who are saying, well, everybody I know likes X for president. Well, everybody they know likes that because that's their buddies and stuff yeah. like that. They, don't, they are not exposed deliberately so to alternative points of view and that's difficult for me to handle yeah and i i think you see that in um or at least that's my perception mm -hmm. uh is that you will have people who will you know they they have their their media outlets that basically align pretty well with Surely. you know with the stories that they want and i think that um you know uh from an education standpoint we'll get into you know into education is that one of the um, great things that you can do is to have the ability to listen to someone else's perspective. Right. You may not agree with it, right. uh, but if you only listen to you know to to one mm -hmm. you know person's view, it, it can uh, it can. Um, I don't want to say be dangerous, but it certainly is limiting. It in, is. In, in, it's in, very much so, and has been said many times now. You're entitled to your own view, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Yeah. Right. And the places that you get facts are not necessarily from the newspaper. I understand that, but you can get them from other sources yeah. beside the newspaper. The issue becomes not just from my perspective, being a newsie, if you will. Right. It's also from the advertising's perspective. They're advertising. I shouldn't say that. There are businesses in this community, Woodland and elsewhere, obviously, that are relying on perhaps only Facebook to get their message out yeah. or only their Twitter accounts to get message out. Well, imagine, if you will, that I've got a select group of 100 friends. Those are my friends on Facebook. That's who's getting my message. Well, okay, that's fine, but how are you growing your business? Yeah. The only way you can do that, and we just gave a seminar on this uh, just a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, is by growing it multidimensionally yeah. through Facebook, through Twitter, through print, through radio, through TV, those single buy things so you can expand your audience because if you cannot expand your audience, you're dead. Yeah, right. You're, you're really dead. And I think we try to do that uh, maybe as a school too. You know, obviously we started the podcast, we have our social media, sure, of course. Uh, but we also have a school magazine uh, mm -hmm. that we do. We also, try, you know, as you know, do uh, um, press releases and just, right. you know, things like that and, and advertising as well. And uh, I think you're right in, in terms of that. But I, 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 um, 
I just, in, in a sense, kind of feel for you because I recognize <laughs> that, uh, you know, circulation must be down. I don't, and what's just curious, what's the digital subscription? So is that, does the, the well, 7,000 include digital subscription? No, no, it's far beyond that. Yeah, um, right. We have what's called a joint buy situation. So if you buy the print edition, you're also buying um, access to the web and also buying access to the digital or what we call the e-edition. Right. So like today, for example, we just had a party, if you will, um, because the Daily Democrats' um, Facebook likes surpassed 13,000. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So, thank you. And it's been about, we, we basically have had a party every 1,000 that we've increased, but it's been about four months since we increased. Oh, wow. uh, Well, forgive me. We increased beyond 10,000 three months ago. The average has been about 1,000 a month. Wow. And uh, I didn't provide them a party at that point, and the staff <laughs> basically let me know about it. Yeah, so right. did I, oh, good. Yeah, so I, I bought pizza for everybody oh, nice. and let them know that they were doing a great job. And today we actually got hooked up through an analytics program that we have so that we can monitor in the office the number of individuals who are reading us online mm. by minute to minute. And if I were to look at it right now, I could tell you that roughly 60 people are reading stories every second wow. online. And it may be the same story. Uh, they may be doing multiple clicks, but I can narrow it down and focus it, tell you how much time they're spending on the story. I can give you their IP numbers if I wanted to. Yeah, right. That's the sort of information analytics and data yeah, that we're right. collecting now that yeah. we can do that. Yeah, wow. So that's, that's all you know, really nice and such, but the problem then from my end of it, in addition to the advertising end of it, is that we have trained intentionally, I believe, people to get their information for free. So now they go yeah. over to Yahoo, and they're happy to get that for free. So then I hear from people, why doesn't the Democrat do more? Why yeah. don't you guys have more news? Well, why don't you pay more for it? Yeah, you know, right. Oh, no, 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 I, I want it for nothing. So that's a very disturbing trend. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you know, this whole idea of, of it, you know, the, the newspaper is a business. That's correct. And, and you rely on people to subscribe and people to advertise. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that's kind of to my point is I, you know, I hope as people listen to this, they recognize, man, we have a local newspaper. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should be doing what we can to, um, to support that local newspaper. Uh, sure. in, whether it's in subs subscriptions or, or advertising or, or both, it's just not fair to, you yeah. know, to glean this stuff uh, yeah. you know, uh, for free and I'm, and I'm one of them. So I, you know, sure. I, I subscribe on Twitter to, to New York times and mm -hmm. just cause I want to be able to see the headlines or I can catch a, a snippet of the first five free articles that they mm -hmm. give me. Uh, but, uh, that's just part of my curiosity in terms of understanding different viewpoints. And this is nothing new. I mean, yeah. I've had people come into the office as recently as last week who wanted a copy of a paper that was two weeks old and they asked why they have to pay for it. You know, well, it's two weeks old and, yeah, well, it's you still owe seventy five cents. Yeah, but it's old news. You know, we don't. It's not like you should be giving it to us for free. And I was saying, well, you're the one who wants it. You yeah. pay for it. I right. should charge you five or six bucks for it. And, you know? and again, they're equivalent over seventy five cents. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, it's it's hilarious. Right. You know, well, Jim. Next time you just call me, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll front the seventy five cents for. Us, I've so. fronted seventy five cents <laughs> yeah. for some people. It's no problem just to me. <laughs> Hey, you've been, um, as a newspaper, I know you've had your staff going out and highlighting um, uh, education on, our, sure. kind of our, on a regular basis. And you kind of see. As much seen, as we can. Yeah. And you yeah. see uh, not only stories about education, but I've noticed that you start highlighting teachers. And it's really kind of a cool thing to see 
uh, that done. Um, can you tell us a little bit about more how that came to be and what you've learned sure. and, and uh, how that's working? Well, first and foremost, I give credit to Tommy McCormick for mm. doing that. Um, we had to cut back with the full-time education writer that we had for some time ago. And I was searching around to try and figure out how to cover that. I mean, we have 17,000 people involved in schools. I mean, in public schools, there's 9,000 kids, okay? Right. And not that doesn't include private schools like within Christian, okay? Right. So there's this tremendous audience, and yet I was not doing enough. We're still not doing enough, and never will, actually. But Tommy, um, because he covers sports, I had the, I thought, brilliant inspiration. Okay, you're right there with the kids. You're right there. Start covering that. And he's been doing a great job. Now, specifically what you're referring to is our teacher appreciation. Yeah. And that runs in what has come become, actually, a more and more popular source magazine. I didn't think it would take off the way it has, but it's taken three years, and now it's suddenly a want. Right. I must look at this magazine. Yeah. Well, the idea of the teacher appreciation was not mine. Mm-hmm. That was something that Sarah uh, Dowling, my associate editor, and Tommy cooked up oh, one great. night, and I came in, uh, I think, one Thursday and opened the page, and there's teacher appreciation. I didn't know it was going in there. They didn't tell me about it. They just did it. And, uh, you know, kudos to them for the originality and taking the initiative and doing that. I also admonished them, basically, please let me know next time before (laughs) I open the paper that this is going to be in it. But they're doing that, and it plays off very, very well in Source particularly. Uh, We just launched, and we tried to do this. We launched this on our Facebook page as well as soon as it's appeared in print and at last read i think it had 1500 people who had looked at it right and that's just from this morning oh wow and that i think there were about a dozen comments and by tomorrow there will probably be about 500 uh more comments or right. something like that right so that's that's cool it gets that connection that yeah. we want do you read all those comments i do yeah i really do um because a i got no life um, so i and the other thing is i need to be responsive to the community. I need to know what the community's thinking. Yeah. Not that I can always carry through on it, but with all the material that comes in, particularly on Facebook, um, in today's society, people don't tell you what they think. They don't call. They don't write a letter. Yeah. They will give you their two words worth, uh, sometimes both misspelled, yeah, and right. put it on Facebook post. Yeah. And so there you go. You've got to read this to find out. A, the intelligence level of some of the people yeah, you're dealing right. with, but more importantly, what are they thinking? Right. Why are they thinking it? Why? What forced them to respond to this, to take that uh, 30 seconds out of their day, if you will, and make a comment on it? Yeah, right. And so you brought up misspelling. So I, I, I just I just want to get your thoughts on this. So, um, <laughs> and and we can talk personally about Woodland Christian School, too, <laughs> is that what I tell our staff is that one of the most important things they will ever do is send out an email to all school families. Mm-hmm. Uh, because whatever goes out, uh, there is a rightful expectation that that email will uh, be constructed in a proper gram- grammar, sure. it will not have misspellings, it will represent okay. excellence. Right. And, um, and so you do this on a daily basis where mm-hmm. you have things going out. And how on earth do you possibly uh, check all those stories uh, and know that they're grammatically correct, that their spelling uh, done is mm-hmm. is how do you do that? I mean, is it is it a supernatural gift of certain people or? <laughs> well, remember, I've been in this business for thirty five plus years yeah. now, so I have a various techniques that I personally use, and it's and I can also read basically five to six hundred words a minute and retain comprehension, so I can I know 
how to go through something very quickly mm. um, and look for those errors and such. But it's also, it's not like it used to be. We don't have the spell checker, the proofreader on site. We rely on computers like anybody else does. Right. But Sarah Dowling, my associate, and I, we both proof the work that's going in. And then we have a design center in Chico that also looks at the work. Mm. Do they get caught all the time? No, yeah, not going right. to get caught all the time. But I'm reading basically, I'd say 15,000 words a day, you know, trying to go through the paper. And, and that's only the print edition. That doesn't include the online material, which oftentimes publishes before the print. Right. And into this, I give credit to the readers. And I won't say I'm doing it deliberately, but I am doing it deliberately. I will sometimes post a story online first, and I know if there's an error in it, the readers are going to catch it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I'll let them catch it. I'll make the correction on it. And then when it prayers in print, voila, it's oh, great. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but I'm also, the, the other thing is I, I get this a lot. In fact, one of my friends who's down at the uh, Cross Court Health Clubs, um, the first time I met him, his first comment was um, something negative about the Democrat and how they have lousy spelling and they're always making typos and all that. And then he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the editor. <laughs> yeah. And he said, oh, well. And um, so at that time, you know, I was basically joshing with him and said, the interesting thing is if you look at it from a pragmatic point of view, when you go home at night and are reading a print edition or when you go and read it online, you're reading one story at a time. Right. You're taking your time to read it. You don't know how fast it took us to write that story. I'm oftentimes, well, in fact, we keep story counts now. We have story quotas. We're expected to write two bilineable stories a day. That's wow. the expectation, okay? I have written as many as 50 stories a week. And can I read and proof and do all that? Yeah, I can because I don't pay attention to the time element. But my other, my reporters and such, they've got eight hours a day in which to get those two stories in. It doesn't always work that fast. But I am constantly generating material. You know, like at 50 stories a week on a high, 26 stories on a low, I'm, I'm writing basically between 15 and 20,000 words a week. So, so uh, I love so how they're going to be mistakes. I, I, I love how these podcasts kind of work together. I, I kind of have an idea of where they're going to go, and then they just kind of they go. Um, so, fifty stories a week. So at the high, at the yeah. high, right? right. Um, you know, we may have some aspiring students who say, "Man, I, you know, I, I want to get into the news business, specifically print mm -hmm. news." Um, what advice would you have for them? Okay. I've been asked this question so many times, it's, it's hilarious. I, think, I really, really enjoy it. The first thing is be prepared to give up your life, mm. okay? If you really want to write, that's great. But be sure it's writing you want to go into. You can go into uh, some other aspect of communication, obviously, but you've got to know how to write. Mm. I advise people generally, don't go and study literature. Don't go and study English. English is a fixed form of language. Certainly take English classes, certainly right. take writing classes, but go into journalism because you have to learn how to do what we're doing right now, which is communicate face-to-face. -face. You have to learn how to be personable, have to be understanding at some point and not at some point. You also have to basically be aware of, know when to, and accept pissing somebody off because mm -hmm. you ask a question they're not going to like. Right. Okay, you have to accept that answer. You also have to be able to take the heat, okay? These are all things they don't really teach you in class. You know, we learned how to write. We learned 
the verbs and the adjectives and all that, which I can't even tell you how to form a sentence anymore because I do it automatically right. now. Right. But you have to learn how to speak. You have to learn how to not sweat when you're talking to a politician. You know, if you meet the president of the United States, what are you going to do? Do you tongue tie yourself? Do you fawn all over that person? Or do you just ask your question? Yeah, right. You know, that's the sort of thing you have to learn how to do. You have to do all of that. So my advice, not necessarily follow what I did in college, because I d did this deliberately. When I, when I knew I wanted to go into journalism, and I was sure of it, I took business classes. Mm. I took writing classes. Every semester I had a writing class. I took a physical education classes, because I knew I'd have to be physically fit in order to stay up with things. I had to stay up late at night, get up early in the morning. I had to learn, again, business classes, economics, history, took speech classes, diction. I took classes in, how should I say, in um, debate. Right. All these things, impromptu speaking. Right. All these things were studied deliberately. And to be very honest with you, my buddy had the great idea that we needed to take personalized drinking classes. <laughs> And it was his suggestion in college, and this was a deliberate thing. We needed to low, know our drinking limits. Mm. So we set out to figure out how much we could drink before we lost it. The intent was, and this was very serious because we kept records of this sort of thing, how many beers did it take before you couldn't understand or couldn't write down or couldn't remember what somebody was telling you? We had a guy up in Spokane, Washington, who was our idol, Harry Misseldine was his name. He could drink people under the table, go back and write up the story, remember word for word everything they said wow. without a recorder. The guy was monumental, and that's what we were trying to emulate. Yeah, right. Okay, it was also a lot of fun at the cabins. Yeah, you know, right. and, yeah. But you need to know your limits. In other words, you have to deliberately test yourself. Now, that's just to learn how to be a journalist, how to be a communicator, to get out there and actually do it. Be prepared to take internships, mm. to basically not get paid, right. to know where it is you want to go. Don't start out for something major. You know, I still want to work for the New York Times one day. Okay, right. It's never going to happen, but I still want to. Okay, don't plan on that. You're going to have to earn your way up. Yeah. That means doing the nitty-gritty. Yeah. That means doing the rewrites. That means doing the obits. All this junk work. You know, I still write chicken dinner news. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's what's called in the business. Right. Be prepared to do that. Right. Be prepared to do it for about five years. Right. After that, then if you're lucky, you'll get caught. Yeah, right. And, that's, and my level, what I do here at the Democrat, I have a very, how should I say, it's, it's not written out anymore. I did try and write it out one time. It didn't really work. My goal is to get young aspiring reporters to work with them teach them. I'm only going to have them for about 18 months, 24 if I get lucky. Get them up or get them out. I've got 18 to 24 months to decide if they can cut it or if they're going to be a detriment to the profession. If they're wow. going to be a detriment, I'm going to get rid of them. And I don't mean it like that. Yeah, I'm, just no, going, I'm going to yeah. freeze them or I'm going to make it more difficult for them. But if they show promise, I try and move them up into a higher level and give them a and, and it works. I've gotten five or six people who are now editors today elsewhere who are doing much better. I've got some guys at Oakland, some guys in Denver, who I know and who I initially trained. Oh, wow. And I'm just fantastic. It makes me so pleased yeah. to do that. And you've got to be proud to a certain extent. I am. Yeah. To, and do they care? I don't care yeah. if they care or not. You know, to yeah. me, them, I'm always going to be the 
gruff editor who always took them off all the time. It doesn't make any difference to me. Right. The fact is they are doing society a service as well as themselves because they got to start because I recognize they had talent. I helped nurture it. Yeah. That's with my... Yeah, and I think your point, too, about working hard um, is something that at least, for example, I try to do when I'm teaching uh, kids middle school basketball. Sure. <laughs> is, is transforming their mind from a, a mindset that everyone gets a trophy. To, oh, yeah. To you have to work hard and you have to invest if you want to succeed, you know, and... Um, and, and we believe that God has gifted everybody, you know, with great gifts and great talents. It doesn't mean everyone's going to go make it to the NBA. Sure. Uh, but um, we have to start teaching our kids that you work hard and you uh, it's a hallmark of, of really getting any good job right. is by putting in the time. And, yeah. uh, and so... Um, do Repeti you, do you, repetition and practice, yeah. just like in any sport. Okay, nobody goes down on a parallel bar and learns how to walk it the first time. They're going to fall on their butt yeah. plenty of times. The goal with myself, for example, is when I walk into the newspaper and I have to sit down and write something, can I have to sit around and figure out, futz around with the lead for two minutes or so? No, I sit down and just start writing. Yeah. And that's the focus. For yeah, that. right. Yeah. Do you uh, do any internships, internships at the Democrat? We used to. Um, we do not anymore. Um, the reason is very simple. I believe that a writer needs to get paid for their work. That is my focus. Right. And I will not hire somebody on the basis of, okay, fine, you can work for us as an intern, and then you're going to get college credit. Yeah. Sorry, right. that's not right. It's not right. fair. Plus, we have an obligation that if they go out on assignment for us and they get hurt, we're legally yeah, liable right. for them. I'm yeah. not going to have that. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. <clears throat> um, maybe a couple, we'll just kind of wrap up with two more sure. things. So uh, Tommy, uh, who we see out at our sporting mm -hmm. games and things like that, um, is uh, he's like everywhere, every present, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and somehow he's tweeting and he's doing these things and he does it. I think he does an outstanding job. He hasn't paid me to, to say this, yeah. but how do you do that? I mean, how does like how does, <coughs> how does he get everywhere and and do his uh, his magic, so to speak? Well, that's I don't know how we all do that actually. Yeah. Um, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for Tommy because I don't know his, how his skills translate yeah. from sports. For myself, if I attend an event, I'm tweeting once in a while. I don't tweet very much, but I do a lot of Facebook posting. I do take videos. I do take, do take still photos. And then you just start posting and writing all that in. My, what I explain is that the initial thing you do is not the end of the story. You're simply letting people know what's happening right now right and then you turn it around and then you write the story and then you write the analysis the next day right it's difficult you have to be highly compartmental and in your mind you right. have to figure things out in right. advance right. it's difficult yeah uh we talked uh, before we kind of went on air uh, <coughs> excuse me i know you've had uh, some issues with your uh your health mm -hmm. and and um and we've talked a little bit about it just, sure uh, and uh from a, even though I would say that, you know, uh, I wouldn't ca characterize this as like really solid friends. I'd <laughs> say we're uh, certainly acquaintances, um, but uh, I care a lot about you. And uh, um, and so maybe you could tell us a little bit how you're feeling, what you're sure. going through, and, and maybe how your life has changed a little bit. Sure. Well, in August of uh, 2014, I was diagnosed with tongue cancer. And it's uh, I can't pronounce it because I, it's got too many S's in it, but it's a basal cell. Uh, carcinoma at the base of the tongue 
and I contracted that, they think, through genetics as well as the cigar smoking that I was mm. doing. Not much, but enough. Yeah. So I was treated with radiation and chemo. Uh, three rounds of chemo, six weeks of radiation, five days a week. Mm. Um, excuse me for a second. <coughs> um, that's one of the consequences, by the way, is dry mouth um, right. after a while. Um, treatments ended in 2014. I've gone back for several rounds of uh, CT scans, MRIs, and all that. Everything's in remission. Everything's oh, fine. Wow. I saw a physician last week. Uh, she's quite happy with the progress. That I think the doctors are all very pleased with themselves. Um, I lost 83 pounds, 83, sorry, 60 pounds as a result. I try and keep that off by working out regularly. Right. Um, I'm really good, feel fine. I don't smoke cigars anymore. A doctor told me last week that I need to cut back on my coffee, um, which I've done. A little bit, not very much. She told me I need to moderate my uh, drinking of whiskey, which I did anyway, um, primarily because I can't afford the type of whiskey I like to drink. Okay. Uh, but that has been done too. Um, I'm feeling very fine. Doctors are happy. I did have a round of blood clots in December 2014 as a result of uh, the radiation mm. that I was receiving, but I got some um, basically blood thinner for that, and that lasted for about two months, and that's all gone. Wow. As well. So as the result is that my lifestyle today is that I spend a lot of time at the gym working out as a, basically keep my weight down and stress. So I'm working out probably about oh, running five miles a day on the elliptical, doing a lot of crunches and all sorts of stuff. And then as a result in terms of how my life has changed, um, how should I put it this way? Some things, as you might suspect, are not as important. Mm. as what they seem to be previously. Yeah. Um, I also don't give a crap sometimes when people are talking to me and, and yelling at me and screaming at me and telling me how important their story is, yeah, when right. I know it's not. Yeah. Um, so I treat things seriously. I always have and always will because that's the type of person I am. But I've also learned and have also taught myself that I'm not going to let a few things upset me. Yeah, right. Okay, because there's no reason to. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I did appreciate... All the goodwill and sympathy, particularly from Woodland Christian School and others, um, who, people who said they were praying for me or thinking about me yeah, and right. all that. Um, I'm not a religious individual per se, but I do believe that each of us has, and this is going to sound very odd, each of us has a force. Um, each of us has a certain personality which they can project and give a part of themselves to others. Yeah. And I will honestly say during the times when I felt down, um, I felt the great strength mm. coming from outside me. Um, whether that's just my own stubbornness or my own fortitude, I don't know. Whether it's all the good thoughts that I was receiving, I'll accept that too. Yeah, and right. all I did, honestly, all the cards that I got, I kept them. Oh, wow. And I would look at them and from time to time, and I still have them. Um, I will say they were uplifting. And all the good thoughts, all the emails I got were great. So it helped. Well, you know, from uh, first of all, we're glad you're on the mend, and uh, maybe that's the the best way to put it. But uh, just know that you've got uh, uh, friends and family uh, here at the school, and uh, and we are prayer warriors, and that's kind of what we do. That's right. And uh, so, just know that you always have an outlet for us, uh, Thank and you. Um, and we appreciate the work that you're doing, uh, uh, not only for the newspaper but for the community. And, uh, and so for that, you may not get that many thanks. You typically get people who are upset. Sure. And so at least you know from some of us here 
uh, at our kind of our fan base that we appreciate you and we appreciate what you do. Thank you, David. And so with that, we're going to uh, bring this podcast to a close. We're, we're grateful for all of our listeners out there. And uh, we look forward to uh, uh, hearing and being with you next week as we uh, learn more about Woodland Christian School in our community. This is Dave Hargett. I'm checking out with Cardinal Cast. Mm-hmm.